This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk, and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Charlie Hartwell. Charlie is the managing partner of Bridge Builders Collaborative, a group of investors focused on mental wellness, consciousness, and spirituality-based startups. Thank you for joining me today. Roman, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? I'll, I'll, I guess I'll answer that in two different ways, sort of a, you know, a career side of how I got to where I am today and then sort of the personal side. So my, you know, when I, when I think about who I am and, and what I've done, you know, over my life, it just seems like everything about me since I was a young kid has been about change, transformation, authentic leadership and innovation. And on a career side, uh, you know, I've worked in 14 different industries over my career. I'm a Harvard Business School graduate. Uh, I've worked in sort of, you know, big company, small company, nonprofit, for-profit. Um, and uh, so, you know, I've had all these remarkable experiences. I always, I'm always comfortable when I'm trying to help build a global movement, or, you know, to help co-create that. So when about 15 or 16 years ago on the personal side, uh, I had this, um, you know, this experience where um, a lot of suffering in my life created the opportunity to really look at my life. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stubborn enough where it's, it took the universe like three different forms of death uh, for me to like to, to get to a point where I really needed to take a look at my life. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to describe that process and what came from it, but I'm just going to say for me, it was a spiritual awakening, you know, more to who am I, why am I here, what, what am I all about, um, what makes me happy, and then, you know, how am I not living authentically? So um, after, you know, after going through that process and doing a lot of, you know, personal work, my, uh, my wife, Maureen, uh, who I describe as the wisdom of our family, uh, she introduced me to something called the Mind and Life Institute, which was um, started by a Stanford MBA, um, a Chilean neuroscientist, and the Dalai Lama to help bring, uh, to help foster research in the sort of contemplative practices space. So 40 years ago, they started this organization to sort of prove to Western minds what Eastern hearts knew. And so they're they'd gotten a point where... Um, you know, there were thousands of studies being done on like mindfulness and uh, happiness and, you know, contemplative practice. I got introduced to this organization and there I found these three partners who were a guy named Jeff Walker, a guy named Austin Hurst, and a guy named Scott Krenz, who were asking the question if the research had gotten to a point where there'd be anything to invest in. So they found me. We started Bridge Builders. And we started investing, you know, in that space. And I could, I could talk more about the journey of the last 10 years, but that's really how I got into the space of, you know, helping to invest in, uh, you know, sort of a global movement around increased consciousness, spirituality, mindfulness, and better mental health. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I think with most people, I think they they go through life in terms of a status quo and then they rethink things when something bad happens or a grouping of of bad things. So and and really looking at who you are and what you have to offer and if you're kind of heading in the right path, if you're doing things for yourself or others, I think I had a mindset shift from my 20s to 30s where it's kind of chasing, you know, money, promotions, titles, things of that nature, and then switched over to, you know, a heart-led kind of uh, impact and legacy uh, mindset, where when that switched over, I got a lot back in return because, I mean, I wasn't asking for anything um, from the people I was helping and things of that nature. And I think, uh, for me at least, I think it's been rewarding because you actually love what you do in that sense. And then you're helping others in the same, you know, token as well. Yeah, well, um, I think you got it earlier than I did, Roman. So I want to congratulate you. I was in my 40s when this happened. And, you know, and I'd love to find, you know, a lot of people go through, you know, these kind of experiences. And from my standpoint, the world's a better place when we can encourage it. And when we can encourage it at at a younger age, Um, you know, we all grow up with, you know, sort of conditioning or stories, you know, that either our family told us or our community or schools told us or our religious institutions told us. And it kind of, it kind of separates us from our own internal truth sometimes. And the younger that we are, you know, that we can be before realizing that those are just stories or conditioning and really then beginning to look inward at what drives us, what fuels us, what makes it happen us happy and then making different choices to get there, um, you know, we'll all be better off when people make those kind of decisions. So. Yeah. And then you also mentioned you were in several different kind of industries along the years. How has that kind of helped you to where you are now? And, and obviously it's in terms of learnings, you've taken something from every role, every industry and are currently applying it as well, I believe. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's been such a strange path. So like my first job out of, out of college, I was working on Wall Street during the day and I was starting a nonprofit in the slums of Kenya at night. So on one hand, I was learning kind of how the financial system works. And on another, I was learning entrepreneurship, how to, make, how to create social change, how to interact and, you know, and create success in different cultures. Um, I spent many years after, after I went to business school, I, I spent you know, six or seven years in corporate marketing. So I really learned, you know, how to, how to market things. I then switched to, you know, small business. Uh, I became an investor in several small businesses. So I kind of began to learn, you know, the investment side and also, you know, how to support entrepreneurs. Um, then I did this crazy, um, I, I founded the first for-profit com- uh, expedition company in U.S. history. And we helped two polar explorers become the first women to cross the continent of Antarctica on, on foot. This was in the year 2000. And, um, and, and we turned that 1,700-mile journey uh, into a global movement to inspire girls and women to ask the question, what's your expedition? And to, to understand that they can, you know, they can accomplish remarkable things. So with that, I really learned the power of PR. We generated 2.5 billion media impressions through that expedition. Uh, I learned how a small team can create remarkable, you know, results that can create change. Uh, And then the last job before, you know, before this, um, 
before the you know current role I have, uh, I was um, the CEO of a innovation consulting firm worth working with Fortune 500 companies, and I learned a whole bunch of things in there. I learned how to turn around. You know, really, I was hired to turn around the business. I got I honed my skills in doing that. Uh, I really, uh, in order to do that, you know, I had to use skills of how do you shift a culture uh, that's not working to create great results. So it's, it's interesting because all of these things really build, for me, they've all built on one another and allow me to be more successful uh, in the work that I'm doing today. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know, regardless of where they started, they can use learnings from, you know, a role and industry that they may not want to be in, in terms of a situation, but to get them to where they want to go. Um, I mean, I, I was going to go into criminal justice. I had an internship with the Secret Service, with the top secret clearance before the 2008 recession hit. And then I was basically forced to pivot out of necessity into digital marketing, which the opportunity came about and I ran with it. And since then, you know, you know, three director roles, fortune clients, starting my own agency. And if you look back, like if you don't take that opportunity or don't take those learnings and then apply them, you don't truly know where you can actually go or, you know, what that direction is. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And, you know, for people just starting out in their career and our, you know, our, our daughters uh, are good examples. Well, I have three children, daughters and sons, like everything leads, you know, to one another. And, and, you know, when, you know, you, when you're in a job um, that you might not like, like, you know, some of those early jobs, you know, you're doing more grunt work early in, in many people's career and, you know, it's, it's really remarkable if you can look at it differently and say, my God, what can I learn? You know, what can I learn from this organization that I can carry with me? And if you look at it that way, you know, sort of that grind begins to look, you know, like opportunity of like, oh, I have all these resources. You know, if you're in a big company, which some people start, you know, start out in big companies, you have all these resources that you wouldn't have as an entrepreneur. Well, how do you, you know, how do you learn all of the skills from sort of, you know, team cooperation to, uh, you know, to how to, uh, you know, to launch new products or be in an R&D group or whatever. It, it all can build on itself. So, so I, I really appreciate what you said about, you know, your early experience with this, you know, Secret Service and going, that's a remarkable shift that you made from the Secret Service to digital marketing. But I'm, I'm sure it all, you know, it all builds on, on you know, on itself. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of anything in any career is, you know, soft skills. So things like that interest in me is like profiling and the psychology of crime. So taking the psychology aspect and then applying it to marketing, why people act, how to get people to act to your desired action, that kind of thing, and carrying that over. And that's one of the things that like I'm passionate about. So although there may be things about digital marketing that may be boring or, you know, a certain aspect that I'm not too fond of, that core that I took over is what kind of keeps me going. That's cool. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations could have, you know, changed over time and the variables you were in certain stages of your life. But what currently motivates you to succeed? Hmm. Um, just try, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'd, I'd probably reframe the question. Um, you know, what I think the, the first, the first part is, you know, what motivates me and what motivates me is, 
uh, you know, is, is being co-creating global movements that, that help change the world. And that's when I'm in my sweet spot, in my sweet spot. And, um, I don't know if I look at six, you know, I don't know how to define success, uh, in the sense that success for me is just showing up and being who I am and being really intentional with my life and increasingly, you know, sort of, uh, letting go of outcomes as opposed to me forcing things to happen. It's like, how do I let go and something greater than myself, you know, work through me and through the talents that I have and who I am. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't look at myself as successful or not successful. I look at myself as either sort of present or not present. Uh, and, and normally what I, what I just know from my life is when I'm present and I'm using my gifts, like something's going to change. Um, something, something significant is going to change. And I don't know if that's success or not. Uh, it, it normally leads to good outcomes, but, uh, but I don't know how to define that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's on an individual basis. And like, for me, it's not a stationary target. It's, you know, ever changing, ever moving, and it's being fulfilled in what I do, whatever it is, and helping others and as many people as I can, and just waking up and enjoying what I do every day. Yeah, that that is success. I think, you know, it's funny, you know, in, in the world, you know, in, in sort of the investment world, you can run into a lot of people uh, and, and I have, you know, I have one of my partners and he's talked publicly about this. Uh, so I feel comfortable talking about it, but, you know, remarkably su- successful. He's a top 10 math student in China, uh, which, you know, that's a billion people to be top 10 in the, in the country. He sold a company to eBay uh, by the time he was 29. Uh, he started a, you know, um, he started a, a, venture capital firm that had like invested $4 billion in China and like everyone looked at him as success and he was miserable. Uh, and you know, he really came to this realization that he was chasing the wrong things and it wasn't creating success. And I, and I say that cause I just hear that story repeatedly in our country. I, I think a lot of people view success by how much money you make by, you know, what title you are, et cetera. And, I think we'll be a healthier country when we reframe that to look at success as around like, are you happy and are you fulfilled? And do you have a lot of, you know, do you have a lot of close friendships and do you love yourself? Uh, and are you doing, you know, are you doing what provides you joy without regard to the financial outcome from that? Um, so I think we actually have a, an opportunity to, to, to shift how we view success from, from my perspective of how we have in the past. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? So I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family system. And, um, and in order to sort of, try, and I was sort of the peacekeeper, the one to make everything kind of, you know, rosy and, you know, and I watched all this stuff happening around me. Um, that was destructive, but I was the one to kind of hold it all together. So I took on a lot of people, you know, other people's stuff. I, you know, I would give, I would give up parts of myself to try to please others. Um, so I don't know if that was a strength or a weakness. It was a coping mechanism as the youngest kid in a family of four that, you know, that suffered, you know, 
uh, you know, physical and, uh, and mental, you know, abuse as a young child. Um, that was my, that was my only way to exist in that family. But, it, you know, as I, as I woke up, um, I, you know, I began to reframe that and I began to say, you know, I get to be who I am. Other people get to be who they are as well, but I am not going to interact with the behavior that I experienced, the bullying, you know, the abuse, the pretense, all that. I'm just not going to tolerate that behavior anymore. And to me, as I've set boundaries, which my wife has been, you know, really helpful um, for me in helping to just learn to set appropriate boundaries with, you know, destructive behavior. And my life has changed dramatically because of that. And I think, you know, I've become a better parent, I've become a better business person, et cetera, you know, in, in learning that. So I don't know if I'd describe that as a weakness or not, but it was a pattern that wasn't, that no longer served me. And I, you know, I sort of chose to, 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 to change that. And it's in, provided a great deal of joy to be in a different place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to break those kind of patterns. I mean, I grew up in kind of a, you know, witnessing domestic abuse, you know, physical, mental, emotional, and it was one of those things, I guess, when you, when you grow up, you can use that as a crutch if you follow the same way. Well, my dad was that way and his dad was that way. So now I'm destined to be that. But like you have to break a lot of these kind of, you know, reoccurring family things that, that carry on. I mean, like alcoholism, you know, and, and it's oftentimes a lot harder to, to ch- take that path. But you do have the choice. You can use it as an excuse for the things and the failures and the setbacks because you have this thing that happened to you or you've experienced or you can harness it, you know, take that negativity and understand that's part of you and then take it and help it, you know, drive you towards your goals. Yeah, you, you really, you know, that there is this there is this empowering place and it is a choice. You can be a victim to it um, or you can, you know, or you can learn from it and grow beyond it and not interact the same way that you used to and really, you know, show up differently for your life. And, uh, you know, I think one way leads to, you know, to a lot more fulfillment. But the other thing that I would say in my case, um, you know, as a, as a father of three kids, because I did this work, um, I gave my permission, my kids permission you know, to not have to face this in, in the past. And so many times like abuse or, you know, alcoholism or whatever, you know, negative patterns are in families, they just pass through generation by generation. But when you actually have the, the courage to stand up to it, to change it and provide an example for future generations, then all of a sudden you've given a gift to yourself that's actually going to last for generations, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, to come. So it's, it's not just about you. It, it actually impacts a lot of other people. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when I was younger and I saw stuff like that, I think I made a conscious choice even there, uh, then saying, I'm not going to be like this. You know, if I have kids, uh, biological or otherwise, I'm going to treat them the way that I wanted, you know, let's say a father figure to show love affection and, you know, what it is to be, you know, a man to me. I mean, in the last two years, my wife and I have fostered 21 kids. And I think I've been or tried to be as as much of a father figure as, as best as possible and, and be there for them in terms of a support system because a lot of the kids are coming from broken homes, you know, single parent homes, and they don't even know the idea of, you know, how a father or, a, you know, 
a male figure or role model should be treating him or what it is. So like preparing them, even if they go back to the environments they came from or other environments, what they have as a comparison, what they should be treated. Yeah. That's remarkable that you can, you know, you can provide that guidepost or that light or whatever, you know, um, that's really heartwarming to, you know, to hear that story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a tough and uh, chaotic journey dealing with the state, <laughs> different government organizations and stuff like that. But just taking a step back and thinking that each child is coming from a unique situation that they've been through oftentimes at two, three, four years old through more things than a lot of adults go through. And then basically taking things in perspective, if it's a stressful, chaotic day, thinking back, you know, what they're dealing with and really puts things things into perspective. Yeah. And, you know, those, as I've, as I've learned, uh, you know, in, in this work and because of the work my wife does, uh, sort of, you know, it's a, um, one of her roles is like, you know, uh, it's been as a therapist, uh, it's those years are years, you know, from one to four, they're years where so much happens that sticks with us for such a long period of time. And, um, and just having, you know, having an adult that shows up for you and loves you at those ages, someone you can depend on, someone you can trust. Um, that's just, it's remarkable. And, you know, and even some research shows that doesn't actually have to be the parent. It just has to be an adult. So, you know, the gift you're providing being present, you know, to those kids is, um, sounds amazing. Yeah. The, thank you. I mean, I, I, if you, if I look back three years prior and if somebody told me at this point, I ha- would have fostered uh, 21 kids in two years, I would say you're crazy and having <laughs> up to five kids in my home. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you have to do it and you know, you're doing something that's, you know, touching people and it's, it's a necessity because there's hundreds of thousands of kids in the foster care system in the U S and, you know, there are some good foster homes. There are some bad foster homes, but these kids just need a safe place and a loving, you know, support system. As long as, you know, they're in your home for a day, a week, a month or a year. So I think mm. it's important. Yeah. Cool. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? You know, I think personal we've, we've touched on, um, uh, we've touched on a little bit, like, you know, you live this one life, right? You live this one precious life. And, you know, I just encourage people to really, uh, you know, to live that life in the way that suits them. Doesn't suit, you know, doesn't have to suit others, but just like going internally and really understanding and, and getting support to, to find, you know, to find out like what really is my purpose, what, and making the decisions um, in our lives that, um, you know, that, that are true to ourselves, I guess that, you know, on, on that side and on the professional side, uh, I really think we're shifting, uh, you know, I run, I'm a managing partner of this group called the Bridge Builders Collaborative. So I grew up in a family system that was very patriarchal. Uh, you know, I, my forefathers ran companies and they did it on a model of, you know, one white male at the top of an organization almost all the time. And then that it was a command and control model. And I don't think that, I, first of all, I don't think that worked very well. Second of all, it doesn't work very well in the, in the place where our society is heading. 
So increasingly, you know, leadership to me is not about, you know, me, you know, me commanding and controlling. It's really about me listening and getting alignment and collaborating with people and understanding where there's common interests and then using common, you know, um, using each other's strengths because I have strengths and limitations. I know what my limitations are. How do I find people who have strengths that, you know, that complement my strengths? And so I just think we're in a whole different world around, you know, around leadership. And if you can embrace that, be more of a listener, ask more questions versus have more answers. I think that, uh, I think that people become stronger leaders as they make that shift. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, having uh, emotional empathy and developing an emotional IQ through all your experiences and all the people you've dealt with uh, across your career and, and personal really helps really make better business decisions, including obviously hiring people that are the, the best possible uh, for the role or what they have to offer and not, like you said, a stereotypical CEO or executive because you want to fit a mold and continue some kind of process. So I think, you know, in terms of me personally, it's, you know, whoever adds value to the team, I think it's important understanding what your strengths are and then complementing, obviously, your weaknesses with people that are strong in those areas as well. I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, I'm at LinkedIn on Charlie Hartwell. Uh, our my wife and I have a website called shiftit.com. Uh, that's the Shifted Institute. I do my work through Bridge Builders on, you know, through the Shifted Institute, the Bridge Builders website where you can see, you know, kind of our philosophy of investing, what companies we've invested in, who our partners are. That's bbcollaborative.com. And I also, uh, you know, I write for Medium. So articles around sort of consciousness, spirituality, mental wellness. You can find me at Charlie Hartwell on, on, on Medium. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. All right, Roman. Thank you for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.